0: Okay, so 2 Peter chapter 3. Now, overall, uh, here's what we've got going on, okay? So Peter has written this to uh, these Jesus followers scattered throughout the known world, and they're navigating through a difficult culture, uh, from opposition to just um, how do I uh, deal with things that are confusing? And the theme that we've seen in Second Peter is he's preparing them Uh, for these false teachers or these scoffers or haters, is what we would call them, uh, who are going to uh, essentially mock you for your faith. Or if they're a false teacher, they're going to take and twist and distort God's words to fit their agenda, to fit what they want to do. Now, this, this is so critical, so important for us. Why? Because you and I are living in a day and age when we're getting bombarded with more information, more Bible verses, more Christian opinions than we ever have before, okay? So it's, so it, it's really difficult and challenging to know and identify what is of God, what uh, isn't. And we looked at uh, a couple of weeks ago these, these mockers and these scoffers who are essentially calling out these Christians and saying, hey, you keep living like Jesus is coming back. You keep preaching this message. You keep saying it's going to happen. Where is he? It hasn't happened. And, and so they're mocking their faith. They're mocking that expectancy that these Jesus followers have. And then ultimately last week, uh, which, man, uh, such an important teaching. We read how the purpose behind Christ not coming back yet is for the very purpose of more people coming to a saving faith. It's for the very purpose, he's delaying coming back so that some of you in this room will receive him as your Lord and Savior. He's delaying his return so that some of you will share your faith with someone that needs to hear that message, which is so exciting and so challenging and it gives us the sense and this purpose uh, of urgency, okay? Um, And and so essentially we were challenged, how are we living in expectancy of his return? Uh, Is that on our radar? Do we ever even think about that? If we're a Jesus follower, that He's going to come back, and we looked at when He comes back, uh, Jesus followers, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be excited, right? We're gonna rejoice that our Savior's arrived. But with that comes uh, judgment as well for people that don't know Him. Uh, with that comes a a new heaven and a new earth for all of eternity, where we get to dwell with Him, which is so uh, exciting, and so we anticipate that arrival. And I pray every day we get up and we're excited about that. And that was our challenge last week. And so let's pick up in verse 14 as uh, Peter gives us his final thoughts, his final words. Uh, and so in 2 Peter three fourteen it says, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Okay, so he, he essentially kicks this off with, 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 challenging them, right? He says, be diligent since you're waiting for Christ's return. Be diligent to be found by him, says without spot or blemish and at peace. Okay. Now when you read that initially, you're like, so I gotta, I gotta be perfect. Fantastic. Cause I'm great at that. Right? <laughs> like none of us are perfect. Uh, if, if you think you're perfect, this probably isn't the church for you. I'm just gonna be honest. I, I eight months ago had, God bless his soul. Someone pulled me aside after a, a gathering and say, "Listen, um, you keep talking to people like they struggle, like they have issues. Um, you need to preach more about how they can be perfect." And I said, "This probably isn't your church." So, but we read verses like this and we go, so that's the expectation. You guys, when he talks about without spot or blemish, he's talking about us having a right standing with God. Okay, having a right standing with God. Now, what does that mean? Once again, that doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean you've never made a mistake, never said something you wish you hadn't said or thought something you wish you hadn't thought. When he talks about being right with God, um, uh, what that means is I have this standing before God where there is, is no longer this guilt or this shame because whenever you make a mistake, which you will, you, as a byproduct of your relationship with Christ because of his finished work on the cross, you now have the opportunity to ask for forgiveness, okay? Every time. And for some of you, that happens like a lot. For all of us, it does. But we have this opportunity to, to say, God, I, man, I did that again. Lord, I, I'm sorry, please forgive me, right? Every time you have the opportunity to ask and seek forgiveness, and when you've received that forgiveness, uh, what does he do with our sin? And sin is anything in opposition to who he is. What does he do with it? He removes it as far, it says in scripture, as from the east is from the west. So it's gone. So, so that label that maybe you've even given yourself, that label is no longer there, and you are, are right before him now. Because you've addressed that disconnect. And so all of us, if we've if we've established a relationship with Jesus, we have this forgiveness that we can walk in and receive. And when we um, are right with God in that, when we've addressed the things in our life that, that are a disconnect between him and us, we have a right standing with him. Okay, we're walking hand in hand. Uh, and a byproduct of our right standing with God is what? Peace, peace. He says, if you do this, and remember he talked last week about uh, holiness, godliness, and he says, uh, without blemish, he says, if, if you are right with God, when Christ returns, you will be found at peace. You guys, peace comes from your walk with God. Okay, that's where peace comes from. In fact, Galatians 5, when it walks through the fruit of the Spirit, um, it talks about peace, okay? So, but but it tells you where it comes from. It's a fruit of where? It's a fruit of the Spirit's work in your life. And so when you are right with God, when you are being led by the Spirit, okay, when you are listening to the Spirit and and following His lead, and and, and you're operating in uh, that right standing with God, Uh, God, you are going to, as a byproduct, have this incredible peace in your life. Now, when you hear that it's a byproduct of your relationship with God, it helps us understand why so many people don't have peace, right? It helps us understand why so many people don't have peace. It also helps us understand why so many Jesus followers don't have peace, or people that say man I'm am I'm a Christian and 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 they are just tore up inside and and you guys the reason is even if you say oh I'm a Christian if if your life is a contradiction to God's word there is no inner peace that you're going to have okay like if you know i mean some of you have experiences where where you did something wrong and your parents don't know it how do you feel inside oh, I feel so good, I tricked him. Like, no, you are like, oh, they're gonna find out. Something's gonna happen. And the moment, man, I remember, I remember coming in late after curfew and just hearing my dad's voice. Can you come in here really quick? How is he awake? You know? They didn't have the find my friend app back then. Like, you know, like when I was out, I was like, oh, I'm good. But it's like, oh, there was no peace in that. So if if you're a Jesus follower and you literally say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm going to follow you. I love you more than anything else. And then all of a sudden I'm doing my own thing. You guys, you don't feel at peace. There's not, you're not going to have peace. And so one of the things that that I see in our culture is is we're like, oh, you'll just have peace if you do this or you do that. And what happens is we create these super spiritual moments, right, in our walk. And it could be a a song. It could be a moment in a teaching. It could be a camp experience, a retreat. and, And in some of those moments, you're like, ah, I have this peace. I feel so free. I feel exactly how I'm I'm designed and wired to live in my relationship with God. But you guys, I want you to know something. That was never designed to just be a moment. That was always designed to be a daily thing that that you have with God. And so there's more for you. But you have to make a decision. Are you, gonna, are you gonna align your life to God's will or are you gonna continue to, to battle him? And guys, the more you battle him, the less peace you're gonna experience. And so he challenges us. Man, if you're right with God, it is gonna play into the peace that you experience. It's a byproduct of being right with God. And then in verses 15 and 16, uh, he tells us what? To, to, to wait for Jesus's return and to regard The patience of our Lord as what? It says to regard the patience as salvation. As salvation. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Now, this could mean uh, one of two things. And either one of them work and either one of them are helpful for us. The one is, as he's saying, consider the patience as salvation. He's saying, as you think of the patience, uh, as you think of being patient for the return of Christ, he's not here yet, that should give you an urgency to share your faith. So when you think about the reality that he hasn't come back yet, that should inspire you to share with people while you still have time. Okay, so that's one takeaway. And, And we see this in scripture. The second takeaway could be, listen, as you think of, the delay, and that he hasn't returned yet, that patience for you should cause you to consider the salvation you claim to have, right? And, and he talked about this at the beginning uh, in the first chapter, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. He talks about confirming your salvation. Now, he's not talking about uh, are your works confirming it, like, like as far as have you earned it, but, but he's saying what you say you believe, do you really believe it? Do you really believe that? Because when you, when you like ask people, yeah, still a ton of people will say, oh, I'm a Christian. Man, I believe in God. What does that mean to you? I just said it. I believe in God. For some people, they go, I, I go to church. I grew up in the church. My parents prayed for me, I've been baptized. I hear all of these responses when someone says, um, I'm a Christian. I go, no, 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 but when did he become your Lord and Savior? And they're like, I go to church. They're not sure. And so for some of us, we need to take a moment and go, man, have I really made this decision? Or did I just kind of go along with what my parents fed me, with what my buddies did? Or just seem like a a friendly community? Is he really your Lord and Savior? And so Peter challenges us in this. He says, hey, consider the fact that he's not here yet. You have time to get your life right with him. Then he says this. He says the apostle Paul said the same thing. He goes, the Apostle Paul, my beloved brother, the Apostle Paul. Now, now, what's really cool is you see a couple things. One, you see this relationship that Peter had with Paul. And, and if you look at, at Scripture, uh, there's some tense moments that those two guys have. Okay, in, in fact, Paul calls out Peter at one point, which is like your ultimate fear, isn't it? And, and so they, they didn't always just go, oh my goodness, we love God together, let's go. Like, no, they had some issues, and yet you see a depth of relationship here uh, where Peter says, listen, you guys need to hear, Paul said the same things. And by him stating that you have heard this from Paul, uh, we can safely assume The readers that he's writing this to, uh, if they're the same readers from 1 Peter, they're in the same regions uh, that Paul wrote some of his letters, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, and Colossians. And so the the listeners here, the, the readers to the letter that we're walking through here, 2 Peter, they also were privileged to get Paul's writings. And so they understand this. And and Peter highlights the relationship he has with Paul, but he also highlights how Paul's words are Scripture. It's not just someone else's opinion. Those uh, words are Scripture. And then he says something that is so encouraging for me. He then acknowledged that there's some things in Paul's writings that are hard to understand. Isn't that an encouragement to you? Some of you are like, no, no, I don't like that. I want to know everything. I want us to just pause for a second and just receive that truth, okay? This is Peter who was there, who ministered alongside Paul in different settings. And he himself was there with Jesus. He himself is saying, there are some things that Paul writes that is tough to understand. That's tough. And so here you and I are two, 2,000 years later, and we're like, oh, I know exactly what it says, right? No, there's times we read this, and even in this uh, Second Peter, when you walk through it, man, there's different sections in here. There's phrases, there's words, there's verses that you go, man, could you give me a little more here? Like, what do you fully mean, right? And, and here is the thing that I want to encourage you with, because you guys, um, you are going to hit different places in scripture as you study it, where you go, I have no idea what that means. No idea. And here's what you need to know. One, we do everything we can to understand what we don't know. But we also come to the reality that there are some gray areas there that it's not clear. But in those areas, you are still gonna have everything you need from an essential standpoint to live for God, to follow God, and to know God. Okay, so so even uh, even though you're not gonna be able to understand everything, there is enough here for you to be able to be confident in your walk and your belief in Jesus. And the more you know scripture, the more you see how it works together, it's not competing, it's not conflicting itself. And, and so that's something that's an encouragement as we uh, go through uh, different sections where we go, man, like, ah, oh, does it mean this or does it mean that? And the other piece that you need to hear is this although there's sections in scripture that are hard to understand, that is a difference, that's a difference from misinterpretation, okay? Are you all tracking with that? There is a difference between I don't fully understand this, here's some opinions as to what it could be, I don't fully know. There's a difference between that and going, oh no, this is what it means, and you're actually taking a verse out of context, you're twisting and distorting scripture so that it affirms what you want. Okay? There's a lot of people doing that. There's, uh, there's sites, there's podcasts, there's so many things where I see this playing out. And, and, and what I wanna just challenge all of us with is, If scripture continually affirms what you want, it's probably not scripture anymore. Because I know for me, scripture doesn't tell me all the time what I want to hear. In fact, most of the time, it's calling me out. Most of the time, it's revealing what's not of God because the more I grow in my relationship with God and study God's word, the more I see these disconnects. And so we always should be asking that uh, question. But we see that, that literally he uses the example of, he calls them the ignorant and the unstable are going to take Paul's teachings and the rest of scripture and they're going to actually uh, twist and distort them. Now, here's what's scary about this. When we think of ignorant people, ignorant people are people that know the truth and they refuse it, right? So that's one set of people. The others are those who are just unstable, right? You ever been there? You're just, you're just unstable, Okay, You don't feel strong. You don't feel like you have a good foundation. You just feel like, ah, I'm right here. I'm just caught in this wave, right? And so what's so dangerous is the ignorant are going to know the truth and yet purposefully twist and distort Scripture, and then they're going to find the unstable. And then they're going to uh, prey upon the unstable, identify them, see that they're weak, and go, hey, oh, you don't really want to believe that anyway, Listen to what I have to say. And I know a different truth. And I know how you really should interpret this. And so the unstable then fall into that, under that umbrella. And what's so dangerous about it is the unstable who, I mean, they they weren't purposeful in it. They're caught up in it. And then what happens is they reproduce that false teaching. Oh, that breaks my heart. There's so many people that I meet with and I go, hey. And what you're saying that is not true. That doesn't align with scripture. Let me show you why. And 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 they look at me and they're confused. They're confused because they've never heard that. They're confused because they were manipulated. They're confused because somebody took scripture and just turned it a little bit and they and they feel lost. And, 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 it, and man, the way they turned it was such an appealing, it, it made it so appealing, and so they just went with it. And so Peter is, is literally saying that there are those that are going to prey on the unstable and, 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 and these, these ignorant people, he says, he says, it's literally going to, they're gonna bring about, he says, their own destruction. They're gonna bring about their own destruction. And so what, does he say then in response to that, he says this in verse 17 and 18, he says, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity, amen. Okay, so Peter says, so, so that's what they're doing and this is why I'm warning you beforehand, okay? He says, I'm warning you beforehand. So that why? So that you'll be on your guard. You guys, do not overlook this characteristic of God all throughout scripture. God is always warning us, right? God's not just like, hey, good luck. We'll see how it goes. I hope, I hope you obey me. I hope you make right decisions, right? Good luck, Steve. Like, No, he actually warns us over and over all throughout scripture, starting in the very beginning, right? Adam and Eve, perfect. Perfect in every way. Perfect in in creation, perfect. All of that. And, and, And God saw it and he said it was good. And they have communion with God. All these things that you and I are just like, man, all this, man. And he says, just don't do that. Don't eat that. Okay? One thing. One tree. Lots of trees here. Don't eat that. What is he doing? He's warning them beforehand. We're like, okay, great. I won't touch the tree. There's a tree. Did he really mean that? Yeah. Right? Over and over. The nation of Israel. He's like, please don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't mingle with them. Don't, Don't be about that. Please. And then even after they make the mistake, come back to me. Come back to me. This is what I want to do, right? Over and over again, into the New Testament with Jesus and his disciples. Literally, right before his death on the cross, he's in the garden of Gethsemane. He knows what's about to happen, and he says, "Listen, you guys, you need to be alert. You need to pray. Your spirit is where is is willing, but the flesh in you is weak. Let's go. You got to be on guard and what happens? They're snoring." They're unprepared over and over and over again. And here, Peter is saying, This is what's going to happen. He's warning us today Christ is coming back. There's going to be those who are going to distort Scripture for their own advantage to agree with whatever they want. They're going to come. Be prepared. And how do you prepare yourself? You make sure that you are on guard. You're on guard. There is a difference between being on guard and hoping something doesn't happen, right? He says, be on guard. Why? Why does he say be on guard? To people who are smart, to people who are Christians. He says, what he's saying here is that knowledge alone isn't sufficient for protection that you're going to need. Knowledge alone isn't going to do it. So you have to be on guard. You have to be alert to the reality that there are attacks coming. There are people that are gonna try and take scripture and, and mess with you. And they're gonna try and lead you uh, astray. And, and, and you guys, man, it's, it's so easy, I found, for people who have a knowledge of the Bible, who go to church, who pray, it's so easy for them to grow overconfident and to forget the warnings. It really is. Well, I know. I've I've got enough information. Steve, I know scripture. I know it. Okay? I've grown up in it. I know a lot of verses. I've been trained in it, whatever that means. I've got accountability. I pray. I go to church. You see me there, Steve. I'm good. And we forget. What do we forget? We forget the warnings, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 12, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Guys, the moment you start thinking you can't fall, you've already started falling. And, and I hear this all the time. I mean, all the time. I'm different. I can hang out with them. I can be around them. Steve, I can just, I can just have one of that two of that, three of that. I'm like, you've never had just three of that. Eh, you're right. Or I can, I can date them. It's okay. I can, I can do that. I can marry them. I can, um, I can still, I can still be there and, and and it's okay. Uh, because now I'm at this place in my walk with God and, and so I'm good. Right. And I hear this all the time and what they're communicating is I know enough so I won't fall back into that. And what I try to to tell them is, is like, God has continually warned us. Long before you were here, he was warning us. And he was warning us to be on guard. Why? Because he wants you to succeed. So he says beforehand, like, listen, you need to know, you need to be on guard against these things because what happens uh, when uh, we stop in this defensive posture, when we stop being on guard, what what happens is this, okay? What happens is you start to slowly drift, don't you? Right? You start to drift. There's certain walls that that God has built and we start to tear them down. Now, what are these walls? You guys, if you are going to clearly go all in with Jesus and you're going to follow him, right? That is one way of living. There is another way of living that is going to be in opposition to that. Okay. And, and what God is going to do in your life is encourage you to literally establish a strong wall there. So why? So you don't creep back over into doing the things that characterized your life before Jesus, right? Now, This wall, I want to encourage you, this is not this wall that says, you can't talk to them, you can't look at them, you can't have a friendship, and and if they're in your family, because I had someone pull me aside after the first gathering and go, what if it's your family? I'm like, are they right there? Like, they're like, no. I'm like, okay. Um, (laughs) I'm like, this is awkward. Uh, (laughs) I mean, that's tough, right? So you can't just say, you're not my dad. Right? Some of you are like, I did that. Um, but you guys, you got to have some self-awareness, right? you got to know that there's a difference between outreach, ministering to someone, and then being influenced. And you guys, if you will walk with God, the Spirit of God will, will reveal that. Because he wants you to succeed. He wants you to fulfill what you're called to fulfill. And he wants to guard you from going backwards, right? And so what happens is this. The spirit of God clearly says, Steve, don't go over there. But because I know so much about God's word, and I'm so excited about God, I'm like, no, I'm I'm above that now. I don't have that struggle anymore. And so I do this. And all of a sudden, knowledge isn't enough. There's feelings, there's emotions, there's things at play that, oh my goodness, I'm not prepared to navigate. And all of a sudden, the things that were consistent that defined my life as I was growing closer to God, those things are no longer consistent. They're no longer defining my life. And I'm no longer talking to God like I used to. And so I slowly start to what? I drift away. That's why Hebrews 2.1 says, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. You guys, you're not gonna fall into a closer relationship with God, naturally. You're gonna naturally fall out of it. And so you have to be on your guard. You have to be uh, prepared uh, for that. And, and, and as, you, as you think about being um, prepared, you guys, when he talks about falling away, if you are a Jesus follower, you can't lose your salvation. So he's not talking about falling away from your salvation for those of you that are struggling. But but what you can fall away from is that steadfastness, right? That stability, that strength that he calls us to live with, that he calls us to cultivate. If you think about your body physically, uh, if you want to do anything uh, special with your body, you always have to focus where first? On the core. You've got to get your core right. That's your foundation. That's your stability. And you guys, so if I am going to be steadfast and, and not get off balance, I have to think about what are those foundational pieces, right? How am I operating in the things that are going to give me that core strength in my faith, which is my, my receiving and obedience to the word of God and how I apply that uh, in my daily life. And so, guys, as a result of that, here's, here's the thing we have to call out that, that is, is so disheartening for me. We have so many people sharing the gospel, so many people sharing uh, the, the story of Jesus and what he's done for all of you. And then all of a sudden, we bring people to this moment, and we're like, so, do you want to make a decision to receive him as your Lord and Savior? And they're like, yes, I do. And you're like, oh, my goodness, just pray this, and he's gonna enter your life, and, and you're gonna be forever changed. And they pray it, and we're just like, woo! Right? You're gonna get baptized, and we're excited, and we cheer for If you get baptized here, we're gonna cheer for you. We're not gonna be like, oh, another. Like, no, we're so excited. This life change, right? But here is what I've seen: this is where we shortchanged God's word and the plan of salvation. You guys your salvation is the starting point. It's not the final point. And when we talk about evangelizing and sharing our faith, we have done a massive disservice in growing and developing people from that moment of salvation. Like, like, and just think of how the Bible speaks to that moment, right? It talks about it as what? A new birth. A new birth. So, so we have uh, people who are spiritually being uh, birthed into our church, right? Uh, and, and they're experiencing that new birth, and they're just like a baby in the faith. And here, we're, here we are, and we're like, you got this. Like, go. You'll figure out how to walk. You'll figure out how to feed, all that. You guys, we've had three kids. They have, every time when they were birthed, And there they are. My wife and I and the doctors, we did not do victory laps around the room and then go, all right, he's good. He's good. Doc, we'll see you later. Okay? Good luck, Kingston. You got this. Right? You don't do that. What do you do with that little baby? You hold that baby. That baby needs that touch, needs that affection, needs to be nurtured, developed, needs to be fed, all of these things for that little baby to grow and develop, right? And hopefully when you're there, they're, they're what? They're coaching you through how to do that. And some of them do a good job and some of them do a horrible job, um, and I can say that because we've had some good nurses and we've had some nurses that just frankly had some bad shifts, whatever that was. Uh, I'll never forget with Kingston, our firstborn, and here I am holding him and, and, and I go to like clip his fingernails, right? The coolest thing ever, like, you know, it's like cute, you know, at that point. It's not cute anymore, but it was cute then. And, and, and I go to clip his nails and I'll never forget this nurse. She just walks in and says, listen, you need to be careful. I don't know how many dads I've seen clip off the tips of their kids' fingers, I went, huh? She goes, yeah, be very careful or you'll clip off the tips of your son's fingers. And I go, I will never clip his nails ever. Like ever. And so I put the nail clippers down and I looked at my wife and I said, I can't do it. And to this day, I've never clipped their nails. It's just an agreement that we have. It's trauma and I'm still working through it. But I can't look at a fingernail and not think of clipping the tip off it. Um... It's just trauma, right? And, and so we're either preparing people, right? What, to have a baby. We're, we're preparing them to raise, to cultivate, to grow that baby because the arrival of the baby, that's just the exciting beginning, right? It's all these next steps in the development of that baby. Why, when it comes to our Christian faith, are we so excited about, about the new birth and then we have no plan, no development, no growth, and so we, they wander around, they're unstable, they don't know how to feed themselves, they don't even know how to understand and identify, am I still following him? And there they are. And, and, and then we know because he's warning us that there's gonna be people that see that and they're gonna prey upon that. And they're gonna go, oh, I've got the truth. I know how to interpret this. And guess what? Because they're so unstable, because they're not developed at all, they're gonna hear a verse. They're gonna have no idea what that verse means other than it sounds really good. And they're gonna explain what that verse means in a way that sounds appealing and they're all in. And all of a sudden they're they are living a life that has nothing to do with God. They're not even following him. And that's how quick it happens. And so how do we avoid this? You guys, discipleship is not a word we just use because, oh, Christians are supposed to say it. Discipleship is is, is literally walking with someone, walking them through how to follow Jesus. There is not a more essential ministry this church does. That's why over and over again, you will hear it from stage. You'll hear it from any of our pastors. We're always going to encourage people to get discipled. Okay, that has to happen. And, 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 and here's the other thing. If we're going to stand steadfast, because it's almost like, okay, man, he's warning us. That's coming. How do I stand steadfast? Well, he talks about what? Growing spiritually, right? He talks about the growth that needs to happen. And when he says by growing spiritually, literally, it means but be constantly growing. That's the literal translation. And so when he talks about growing spiritually, you guys, he's not talking about growth spurts. Okay, by definition, a growth spurt means it has an ending, right? Okay, I never had a growth spurt, so I'm just speaking from theory here. But um, still waiting. Anyway, now the spurts are outward. So he's, he's, he's literally saying it's not a spurt, it's a continual growth. It's, con- it's consistent. It's continual. It's daily. Why is that so important? If you're only saying no and you're only thinking protect guard, hold the line. Guys, that's you doing it at whatever capacity you're at. You will hit a limit there. You just won't be able to keep going. At some point, you'll run out of whatever it is that's keeping you doing that, and you're going to need the power of God. And if you're, so so whenever you're saying no, you've got to ask, then if I'm saying no to that, what am I saying yes to? Right? If if I'm emptying my life out of that, what am I filling my life up with? So you always have to ask that question. And when it comes to scripture and talking about steadfast and and being strong in the faith, it must be a consistent and continual growth. It's not this moment by moment uh, thing. And so, you guys, what does he talk about? He says that we must be strengthened by grace. I could speak all day on grace. You guys, God's grace is given to believers, not only for the purpose of salvation, right? I mean, grace is, is that salvation experience, but you guys, grace didn't end there. That's what I love about grace. Grace wasn't just for salvation. Grace was then designed to take you, to grow you, to cultivate you, uh, to give you endurance, to, to gift you, uh, uh, to bless you, um, to, to, to help you see that that you have been gifted with this grace. And it doesn't just hit one area of your life. It's multifaceted. Uh, it's incredible. In fact, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, and God is able to make All grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Wow, you guys really, that didn't hit. (laughs) Uh, Man, you better circle, underline, highlight that. Double tap. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And he's telling people this who are about to sacrifice for him. In 2 Timothy 2.1, he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened by that grace. And then 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You guys, to grow in grace, from a biblical standpoint, it means to grow in our understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is. And he's the one who just gives us grace after grace after grace. In fact, we see that he stacks it on our lives. In John 1:16. for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. That's for you. And, and, and so he says, you've received this grace. Now take this grace and, and grow in your knowledge and understanding of not just God's word, but but in your knowledge and understanding of who the central theme is in God's word, which is Jesus. And so he encourages us and challenges us to grow in our understanding of who our Lord and Savior is. And, and you guys... Man, the better that you know Jesus, the better you're gonna know his word and the better you're gonna know grace and the better you're gonna live it. But all of this requires diligence, discipline, and a priority shift. Why? Because we're not just gonna drift into that. We're gonna naturally drift out of that. But you guys, grace is the thing that should be moving me towards Jesus. And Peter concludes his letter with To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. You guys, the glory belongs to Jesus now and forever. I can't think of a better way to end something. And so you and I, we have this opportunity to glorify him now. And how we glorify him now, it echoes for all of eternity. What an encouragement. So I wanna ask you, are you at peace today? Are you at peace? Do you have that inner peace that he says is a byproduct of a, re- of a right relationship with him? Do you have urgency? I'm saying this really loud today because I was just told after the first gathering, hey, when you get to that very ending, a lot of times you soften up and you're like, this is really important and then you say it really softly and we're like, So I'm making sure I'm not saying this softly. You're all like, oh my goodness, you do do that. Yeah, I know, I'm working on it. (laughs) Do you have urgency? Do you have urgency? Do you have peace, right? Do you have urgency? Once again, and we asked this last week, but we need to ask it every week. Do you have urgency to your walk, to your relationship with God? And then are you guarding your relationship with God? If you have a relationship with him, are you guarding it? Uh, like actively, or is it just, man, I'm just going to grow. I have enough knowledge. I have enough information. I'm above that. I wouldn't fall like they did uh, or, or they've done. Uh, no. Guys, why do you think pastors keep failing? They have all the information they need, I think. It's not about that, is it? It's this guarding piece. And lastly, when you think about guarding, does that include growing? Growing? Does that include growing? Guys, a couple things I just want to say. We have discipleship, but then this week, we have the last week to sign up for School Bible. If that's you and you've been praying about that, I want to encourage you. This is the last day for us to receive signups for that. We're going to be launching that. And I want to encourage you. If if that is something God's laying on your heart, to to grow in his word, um, that is a great place for you. You can sign up today. The other thing is this. In order to stand our guard, we also need community. We have to have community. You can't do it alone. And we have a bunch of community groups of all ages that meet all throughout our cities here. And I want to encourage you, if you're looking for a community, uh, a place where, where you can establish relationships and cultivate friendships and that are centered around God's word, and that you guys, we have signups out there for we have a, literally a list of all the different communities. You can take it, you can sign up for one, you can reach out, you can ask questions, and we would love to get you integrated into uh, one of the communities that meets here throughout the week. And so guys, those are just some next steps. We always want to give you next steps because it's not just about how to guard, it's how to grow, amen? Let's pray.